0: Welcome to the Beach and Black podcast, an award-winning, unofficial podcast on Prince. For over 10 years, giving you Prince news, reviews, trivia, and all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the host,
1: Rob S. I think the craziest thing that's happened is when Prince invited me and Captain to meet with him in New York in 2010. Captain.
2: Anytime Prince gets on the guitar and he starts getting up near that top red, just get ready to blow your head off.
1: Oh my god,
0: that's the Minneapolis sound right there. Toe Jam.
2: There's just layers and layers of stuff going
3: on in his music all the time in every speaker.
0: I'm and Black on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.
1: Hi,
0: this is Eden Nelson This is Tony Hi, this is Larry Graham. This is Mr. Hayes. And
1: you're listening
0: to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to... The Peach and Black Podcast. The Peach and Black Podcast. The Peach and Black Podcast. The Peach and Black Podcast, baby. Now over to our host, Rob S. Hello,
1: hello, hello, and welcome back To the Peach and Black podcast, we are back again, gathered around this virtual roundtable like we always do. Some of us are all over different locations, flying all over the place, but we managed to gather together again, as I said, and we're in the same place, kind of. In front of these microphones, let me introduce the Peach and Black panel, as always, from left to right, player, rookie. Mm. No jam. Giving people what they want when they ought to give them what they need. (laughs) And Captain, check yourself before you got another foot in your ass. There you go. (laughs) Captain, he loves those foot in ass references. And it's me, Rob S, in the place to be, in front of all of you. Okay, this is Peach and Black. We're back. Let's get straight into it.
2: Before we go any further, let's let's say this toe jam.
1: Yeah. So
3: we're about halfway through our top twenty print songs of the two thousands. About halfway through, we've got hundreds and hundreds of votes so far. If you haven't voted yet, there's still plenty of time. So basically, what we're asking you to do is to click on our link for this little survey thingamajig, and we want you to select primarily your favorite print songs from the 2000. So that's you know the year 2000 up until his passing in 2016. You can choose up to 20. So if you only if you only really love one song, you can click one song. Uh, not the song one song, but you can click <laughs> one, the numeral one song. I'm not trying to influence the vote or anything. Yeah, if you like two songs, uh, you can vote for two songs. If you like three songs, you can vote for three. Anyway, up to 20. No more than 20. That's the limit. And uh, we'll count down the top 20 Prince songs of the 2000s in an upcoming episode. Should be fun. There's also a question there about your favorite Prince albums from this period as well, as as well as the live releases and one or two other little questions you can answer for us. Won't take long. I mean, you can procrastinate as long or as little a time as you want to put into that top 20 list. I know it took me a little while because I'm quite an obsessed fan, as I'm sure many of you are here. So make yourself a coffee, get ready, because there's a lot (laughs) of songs there. There's you know almost 200 songs to select from. You can take 10 minutes. You can take 10 hours. Very simple. Very straightforward. And just for the record, the link is tinyurl.com forward slash top 20 print Two thousands. Uh, so that's T O P two zero P R I N C E S O N G
2: S, and then 0 S. And if you didn't get that, look on our Twitter or Facebook. We're going to put it there yeah, as well, of course. Okay, MC.
1: All right, <laughs> back to MC. So this is another episode where we're going to talk about one-off tracks. This is one of our special tracks, tracks episodes. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Trax. It's the one-off tracks as discussed by Peach and Black. So let's get straight into it. Four songs, one for each Peach and Black podcast panelist. Uh, we're going to go straight into things. No time to waste. We're going to just cut all the fat off this episode. This is going to be as lean as we've ever been. Let's do it. Song number one is Jukebox with a Heartbeat. Jukebox with a heartbeat. No, trying to run a game. And the person presenting the song to us today is ToeJam. All
3: right. Well, I selected this song because it's a bit of an oddity one. It wasn't actually ever released as a single or a a download specifically. It was originally released and only released, as far as I am aware, on one of the massive long NPG audio shows from 2001. If anyone has forgotten what they were in uh, the 2001 MPG Music Club subscription, every month not only would you get a few songs – you would get like an hour long radio show, which was basically just like Mm. a playlist of different songs. And most of it was released. Occasionally you got some unreleased stuff, some live recordings, you got rehearsal stuff, you got songs everyone knows. And this is one of the songs that was included in one of those playlists that was unreleased at that point and remains unreleased beyond that particular audio show download. So it certainly sounds to me like it's from that era, that 2001 era, or 2000, I should say, probably just before Rainbow Children, I'm guessing. It's got that lindrum that he was starting to use again in the late 90s and early 2000s, really tightly wound again. It's got that phasing kind of effect that he had happening in the early 80s. So that's back. You've got the vibraphone sound. So the lindrum and the vibes, it gives it a really cold kind of emancipation kind of sound, I've always felt. I like the intro, the way it sort of builds on the you know, gotta give them what they want when they want. And it sort of builds this these interesting notes as it builds up. And it's not just like your typical, you know, one, three, five, uh, seven kind of build up. It's like low five, then a two comes in, then another high five, then the one. So it's kind of a weird like stack the way he stacks those. Kind of cool. So yeah, this song just has really kind of laid back, really cool, funky vibe to it, really nice bass, uh, but just, just that Lindrum. That's like really, really drives the song. It's very snappy. And um, it's like, you know, every time the phrase, the uh, the cycle kind of comes around again, there's always like different things popping and snapping. So it sounds really cool. I mean, it's not the greatest song. The song is obviously about Prince kind of being a bit cheesed off at the radio stations, not playing his music at that point. If you look listen to some of the lyrics, who got the brand new hip uh in is it hip or hit i always thought it was hit who got the brand new hit in los angeles guess what it ain't me so he's like he's kind of cheesed off um there's obviously uh, a lot about he doesn't like the way that radio stations categorize his music as in different genres he's talking about you know i got a new guitar but don't call it rock and roll and don't tell me i don't fit the format no matter how many i sold and so he's talking about having to pay to have his songs played on the radio which is kind of interesting so yeah it's that kind of his, that time in his career where really he's he's uh you know he's in his early 40s now he's not really cranking out like songs that teenagers in early 20s people are going to go out and buy he's pretty much got his market at that point and so the radio that you know in, in other words the radio is not going to play him and so even though at the time he might have felt angry i mean we can look back at it now and sort of see well i mean it's kind of inevitable that sort of happens with everybody mm-hmm you got this WNPG thing, MPG radio thing going on, which he was like talking about at that time. I think one of the tour books at the time had the WNPG playlist and a lot of songs that he would have liked to have been heard on the radio. So it was definitely a big theme that he was into at this time. The thing that annoys me about this song is just that whole, um, you know, giving people what they want when they should be given what they need. It just, it just gets a bit too repetitive by the end of the song. Uh, it just happens too many times. Like it happens in the bridges. It happens saying in the background, it happens at the beginning happens at the end. It's just too much of it. And I always kind of find of it always, uh, spoils the song a bit, that bit, cause it's, it's kind of cool the first time you hear it, but, it kind of gets a bit grating after a while so i mean this isn't like a spectacular song but it's it's one that i always enjoy when it comes on and it's an interesting little uh, rarity that a lot of people haven't heard so it's worth talking about so that's my review of jukebox with a heartbeat
1: yeah i have to agree with you when you say it's not like spectacular because it's certainly not that in fact i actually find it a bit annoying because it kind of goes nowhere and it sounds like this really peeved off artist who was well past his glory days and maybe realized that but couldn't make peace with it. So instead he goes on this diatribe about how, you know, he's got to pay to get on the radio and how no one wants to play his stuff and all this sort of stuff. And you're right, like it happens to all artists and it happened to Prince. I mean, he had a really long run on the charts and in popular culture, you know, being that number one guy or, you know, constantly in the top 10 and all this sort of stuff. And the other thing at this point in time, he wasn't even really putting out albums. Like, after rave, two thousand, he didn't put out an album. Two thousand and one, he didn't put out an album. Two thousand and two, he yes, didn't he put did. out an album. Rame I'm talking Burtu- about, yeah, but oh, I'm talking yeah. about like, yeah. you know, commercial, commercial albums. That was never going. Rainbow yeah. was never going to be played on <laughs> top forty hits. So he's kind of he wants to be played on the radio, but he's not making radio friendly material. And if he was truly honest with himself, when he was on the radio, he was always. It was always because he had made radio friendly hits. So. It's kind of weird listening to him. I, I just feel like this is a phase he went through and and he and he made a little song out of it, but
3: yeah. But all of that kind of stuff aside, like it is a kind of grooving, like the groove's really cool. That's what I always like about it.
1: Yeah, the gro- the groove is cool. Like it it reminds me a little bit of the Slaughterhouse stuff. Yeah. Silicon and all that sort of stuff. this groove and all that kind of stuff. S&M groove, which is again why I don't think it's fantastic because I don't really like that sort of material, but see what everyone else thinks. Um, Captain.
2: Okay. Can anybody explain the name of the song?
3: I was thinking about that today because this title of the song, you think it's a positive thing. Like, oh, it's a jukebox, but it's got a heartbeat. Like, it's it's organic, it's alive, you know. But in the song, it's a negative thing. It's like he's using that as... He's, he's using it as a, a way to diss people and so say, You're a jukebox with a heartbeat, kind of like a disc jockey who's just playing songs that he's been told to play. So it's like mm. almost like
2: a robot, but it's a person doing it. So I don't know. It's kind of weird, eh? Because mm. like when you were explaining what it's about, it's like that's all new to me. I never heard any of it. So it was interesting. So then I looked at the name of the song and I'm like, Well, how does that fit in with what
1: you said? Yeah. <laughs> interesting. It makes more sense if. It was called jukebox without a heartbeat. Without <laughs> that yeah. would be yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I
2: mean, it's a good line. That do the people even know what they want if they never hear what they need? That's a good line. But Put yeah, line, it's yeah. he does say it a lot in this song. You've got these like rubber band sounding drums, pretty lackluster vocals throughout. And before Toe Jam said it, I had no idea what it was about. He was singing, but it was—it didn't seem like anything I needed to listen to. It just wasn't <laughs> interesting, so I didn't listen. I mean, there might be something in this song. I, I'm just not hearing it. I'm not going to totally write it off. I might get it one day, but to me, this song is like—it's um, like the whole news album. You can play it, but if you're not sitting there specifically just listening to it, it just passes by and nothing happens and then you're on to the next track. That's what this song's like to me. It's just there. So, yeah, that's all I've got to say. It's not
1: the best song. It's just a song. Come on, go back to 2009, Captain. It's <laughs> just a song. I'll
2: say it. It's just a song. But, see, this song, was this on Slaughterhouse or Chocolate Invasion? No. It's I one was of this few one of the it. rare ones that didn't, see – even he thought it wasn't that great. He didn't even think it was worth putting on a compilation of all these songs. So that says it all, I think. All right.
1: Player, what do you think of this one?
0: Yeah, I like this one. I think it's nice and breezy, like in its sound. Thematically, he seems to be talking to the music industry types that tell Prince how to record a song or a hit to be successful. And his reply to it is, you know, giving people what they need and not what they want, which is a it's a reoccurring theme in his music sometimes. The, like the era that this came out was like 2000s era or when he recorded it. And it's like on the back of Rave. And Rave was supposed to be like the equivalent of like, you know, Santana's comeback album the year before that. I and that thought never happened. It. it does
2: have a bit of Rave sound to it, doesn't it? Like, I don't know, the drum mm-hmm. sound or something. It's got that sort of sound. It is Lindrum, yeah. isn't it? To Jam said yeah.
0: that. Yeah, it is, yeah. 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 But I think like, after Rave wasn't the success they were hoping it to be. And, you know, I think Clive Davis and all that was telling him, giving him advice as to how to be a hit and all this sort of stuff. So I think like those sort of themes and experiences he was having around this era spawned the themes for this song. So I think that's kind of interesting. The song itself, I really like the keyboard chords. Um, It's kind of like a bell, has bell chime sound on it as well. And the lead line's really cool. I really like that. To me, you guys were saying it sounds like something off Slaughterhouse or whatever, or Chocolate Invasion. I hear props and pounds. It sounds the same as props and pounds to me. I've got in my notes Slim Drum. Yeah, yeah. And he's got that line, "Who got a new guitar?" And then after that line, he plays this little dinky piano solo, which is kind of cool, like. <laughs> You know, he references a guitar, but then doesn't do a guitar solo, which is hmm. kind of like, you know, backs up the theme so of the song. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, like I was saying, it's a recurring theme in his music. If you think of the song New Power Generation on Graffiti Bridge, like, you know, people telling him what to do and and you know, not recording the same music as always and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of like a recurring theme. So, But this seems to be more geared towards uh, record industry types. So it is It is an interesting uh, song, but um, I can kind of see why it didn't really make a proper album.
2: Yeah, I forgot about that New Power Generation. That's the same thing. Yeah, sick and tired of you telling
1: us what to do and your old ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Yeah, except that, that song had a bit more, I don't know, what would you call it? energy maybe like this is like a dreamlike yeah more dreamlike kind of almost like a this sounds almost like a demo except that prince's demos kind of sound finished <laughs> it's well the same time. This,
2: this does sound like pretty much anything else from 2000 hmm. it's one of those songs
3: that like i find it's really good for like two minutes and then it just kind of peters off and it's like there's not much it just sort of repeats bits and it's he has that sampler on his vocal duke, 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 and it's like that kind of trick that he did and it's like kind of fades to nothing like so it's like the song's done at like two minutes and then it's like oh there's another two minutes and a half to go so
1: <laughs> yeah and again we're talking about this song on this one-off tracks show that we're doing and there's plenty of installments and this is one of many right but one of the things that i that just popped into my mind was this idea of prince records so much music and people talk about his crazy pace and the ability to produce songs like every night and track game. can be a,
2: a when doves cry that's what you're saying <laughs> exactly
1: yeah that's what i was about to kind of allude to was was that but also i was going to also mention a hey, princess so prolific Not everything's going to be great but at the same time What would you rather? Would you rather this sort of stuff Stay in the vault or would you rather hear it? No, definitely I'd rather hear it Yeah, so That was going to be my guess That all of us would would much rather that It's like he's that sort of artist where he will Just put out stuff even Obscurely and we just go crazy In the sense that we'll do Anything we can to at least hear it once (laughs) If we don't continue listening to it Years, year on year on year afterwards That's another story but we're always So curious to hear what he's coming up with kind of got two fans in the room with this song kind of toe jam and play it well maybe even captain i i, I wasn't really feeling it
2: uh, but um I'm, I'm, yeah i'm on the fence oh yeah
1: okay yeah, i think there might be something spin. in
2: it but i just don't hear it yet but to be honest i've only probably heard it about three times
1: yeah and that was just before the hour review probably <laughs> <laughs> like i, I like to to it bunch music- when I- it
2: came out but i just yeah. i listened to a lo- other songs a lot more because i yeah, got something out of it
1: and this I'm just like uh yeah like even if it was even if it was much better musically I would still have a little bit of an issue with this guy just crying poor like oh I can't get on the radio it's it reminds me a little bit of Tom Petty who made an album the album that I'm going to refer to is called the last DJ and it came out around the same sort of time period 2002-ish I want to say and it was a record by Tom Petty even though he had the heartbreakers backing him it was basically a solo album and the whole album is dedicated this theme. So if you for anyone that doesn't like really warm to the message in Prince's song, don't listen to the last DJ by Tom Petty, because it's just a whole record about how the record business has gone to shit and all the good music isn't on the radio and all that kind of stuff. So by the way, I'm a big fan of Tom Petty's material, but that album didn't kind of do it for me. Anyway, that's another show. Uh, who's next player players chosen a track. He's going to get his Mac on, I think. I don't want to reveal too much. Player, what have you got up your sleeve? So uh, the track that I've chosen for this
0: episode, maybe Captain can help me out with the date of release.
2: It came out on the 18th of February, 2001. Very interesting.
0: As part of the MPGMC shows.
2: Yeah, but the track itself, you're looking uh, end of 1994, yeah.
0: And the track we're referring to is mad, I'm
1: going to go mad. Oh, baby, mad.
0: <laughs> So I'll start by saying that I heard this track around about the same era that it was recorded as a as a bootleg. <gasps> And, yep, there it is—the gasp, the gasp now. <laughs> And I used to do a lot of record digging in the city. I would go. I, I mean, say like buy-
1: bodybuilding. It was like your bodybuilding. Right. You know? uh, <laughs> what the? <laughs> hell? I don't
0: know. I mean, I go to like all these record stores and just buy hip hop albums and sample cds and all sorts of stuff anyway i went to a record store in sydney called soul sense which was it's just kind of like the back of the metro and um I, I picked up a CD there called um, Fat Jazzy Grooves and it was labeled volume six and seven. It was kind of like, it was one disc, but apparently it was two albums on one disc.
2: That's not yeah, there no. anymore, is it? That music shop?
0: No, it's gone. No, now it's like a Korean, Korean restaurant. restaurant. That's right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I bought a 12 inch of damn you in that record shop.
0: Right. Cool. Uh, I've got some yeah. stories about that record store. But and I, now that, they're serving up the 12 episode.
1: inches of noodles. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway, we don't want to hear about your 12-inch noodle. Hang <laughs> on, well, hang on, hang on. At least at least they
3: both they were both serving the chicken grease, so.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> exactly.
0: Anyway, so I um, I picked up this CD and on this particular CD, which was called Fat Jesse Grooves Volume 6 and 7, there was a track on it called Bebop to Hip Hop and the artist was called Headshock. And it sounds just like this. That song is sampled in this Prince track "Mad," and it was kind of it was kind of interesting because I heard the the bootleg of the Prince song, and then I had the actual basis of the song as well. Mm. So it was kind of cool. So to me, it, it's kind of he's straight ripped. It's not even like it's even more than a sample. It's more like a steal almost because it, it kind of incorporates the whole song into it. He doesn't really sort of mess with it or add too much instrumentation to it. So, so um, yeah, it's just, it's a pretty cool track. I think the inspiration is, you know, this was around the time where, you know, it's the name change thing. And I think he got a lot of press saying that he's, he's gone mad and you know, mm. I don't I don't know if this is before or after Slave on His Cheek, but, you know, he was going through this phase where kind of mainstream and Warner Brothers and all that, it, it was just kind of really being shunned and stuff. So I think maybe that's the inspiration for the song. This was apparently considered for the Exodus album. There's a version of this recorded by Sonny T mm. yep. that's in the vault. So I'd love to hear that. Probably my favorite part of the track is where he says, um, you know, turn on the dirty switch and back up far before he does the guitar solo. I think that's really cool. And then the, I don't even know how to describe it, the musical break at 4.33, um, which got recycled into Rock and Roll is Alive and it lives in Minneapolis. So it's, it's a really cool little piece of music. And I think he used it in... Get wild live performances as well. Sounds like one of those cool. things you
3: would do, do live, like kind of little segue riffs. Mm, yeah. segue into different grooves and things.
0: Yeah. I really like that part of the song. And I really like that, you know, it ended up on multiple different songs as well. So I really like it.
1: All right, all right. Go, Jam. what do you think? I got some
3: stuff. <laughs> I like this. It's fun. It's playful. It's got a really 90s big beat kind of groove to it. Uh, You got these two chords, a minor seven chord, then a half diminished chord, these kind of sustained ones that just kind of go back and forth between the two. You got that real classic, like, 90s dog whistle, high-pitched synth hook (laughs) kind of thing. You've got lots of references to other songs in this song. You've got the Huss, Huss from Sexy Dancer. Uh, You've got this little bebop alto sax line, which is also used Mm. in The Good Life Big City
2: Remix. Ah, yeah. Yeah. That's straight off that track that he sampled. It could be, yeah. Okay.
3: And there's also a little classical piano bit, which is very reminiscent of when dubs Cry and Thunder and those sort of other harmonic piano line harmonic minor piano lines he would do towards the end of these sort of songs. I mean, I, I've said here he sampled scatting, and you hear this in the background this dooba dab dooba dab but I'm guessing that's also from the, mm. the original.
0: Yeah, it's all from
1: that, that, that bebop to hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Okay. which
0: sounds like Scat Man, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's just review that song. We'll beep up the hip hop <laughs> by Headshot. Let's do it.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, I like that because it kind of fits the mad theme. Like, you got this kind of mad scatting going on in the background. Prince goes a bit crazy towards the end where he's, um I'm about to go mad, sort of plays around with the timing and he starts laughing. And it's getting pretty dangerous at that point. It's very thick, <laughs> it's very distorted, it's heavy, but it's kind of a jokey kind of song. I like it when they play this live on the Café de Paris, Beautiful Strange, oh. VHS, and uh, Prince is like looking all crazy, and he's like looking at the band like, should I do a stage dive? And then he just jumps into the crowd, and then they put him back, and he's like, should I do another one? And he's like, no, no, and then he just jumps back into the crowd again, you know, while they hmm. while, while, while the mad groove is going on. It's kind of cool. So uh, when I hear that song, that's the image I get, just, you know, crazy Prince on, on live, just doing crazy stuff. and. Um, I mean, it is. I remember when it did come out in in 2001 or so, I remember thinking then like it sounded a bit dated, like it sounded was from the early 90s. and So it's hard to take it out of that. It'll it'll always be like that, which is maybe not a bad thing. It's I wouldn't say it's a mad song, but it's a
2: good mad song. Hmm. Captain. This is a good song. He spent some time on this song. This has got a lot more, this has got a lot of sound effects and all these little added parts all over the place. The chorus is really busy. There's like scratches and there's grunts and there's like these whip cracks everywhere. You got the sleigh bells all the way through just like um like 18 and over. And in the verses, after almost every line, there's like a callback to something in that line or there's a sound effect or there's a vocal. There's always something like he worked this track. There's these big breathy synths like in both the verse and the chorus. You've got bebop to hip-hop sample, like the whole track pretty much. Uh, you've got great vocal part, 245 to 3 minutes. It's just classic Prince. Toe Jam said that. He's just getting more and more crazy and then he's just laughing like an idiot. There's a massive like whip crack at 308. It just loud, so loud. It's great. And then you've got all these random little guitar parts start coming in all the way to the end of the song. 346, you've got the, the typical 90s stabby keyboard parts. But this is what we're all here for tonight. Everyone's mentioned it. This is one of the best endings to a Prince track ever. It's not actually right at the end though. Just, you know, you thought the synth bit at the end of When Dud's Cry was good. That's got nothing on this. This is way better. 433 <laughs> to 452.
1: And Captain just, officially goes crazy. It's How just bloody. We-
2: it's so good. It's amazing. This is why I love this guy and all this crazy shit that he did. It's insane. It's one of the best things ever.
0: Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? The end of um, It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night. That's kinda Oh yeah, just the B N. Yeah. Kick some ass, you know? that and it just goes off. Yeah. Yeah. But he he, like he does that, like these little musical arrangements like within the songs that are really cool. Same sort of thing.
2: So good. It's it's twenty seconds, but it's twenty seconds of like the best thing
1: you'll ever hear in your life. So it's Captain uh, Captain, are we sure that was him or was it headshock again?
2: No, 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 this was all him. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. And yeah, it was used in I think you said um, Rock and Roll is Alive. It's at the end of
0: that. Yeah, it is, yeah.
2: I have a feeling it may have been used as a segue. I'm,
3: I might be completely wrong here. In like um, like between Delirious, in like, like around 98, I can hear this kind of at the end of Delirious. I don't know why I'm getting that. Like the uh, performance on that
2: Sinbad show. Remember that where he's wearing the black thing? Could have been. Could have been. Could be that, maybe. He used it live a few times here and there because it was so good. He just kept using it. That's why. And it's like you listen to it and it's not just like he's playing one part. There's literally like four or five different parts that all go at the same time and you can just listen again and again and again and listen to different parts. Yeah. It's insane. I can't say anymore. It's just for that 20 seconds. It's one of the best things ever.
0: It makes Captain go, go mad. Ever.
2: <laughs> One of the yes. best things
0: ever. That's a big call. Do-
2: Remember there was a the, oh, there was a song on Emancipation. It could have been Get Your Groove On, I can't remember, but there's literally like 30 seconds in that song, which is just perfect. There's nothing that you would ever even change about it. This is the same. It's just 20 seconds of the best thing. You know there's, you nothing you take, there's nothing you to change.
1: There's nothing to change. You should add. take the, the excerpts of all of the like just average <laughs> songs prank. that you love. Yeah, and <laughs> when make your captain's <laughs> remix your oh, favorite man. crazy. That
2: I'd die. I couldn't even make the mix. I'd just drop dead a third of the way through it. It's too much.
1: Do you know what that would sound like? All the old field listeners will, will know. If you did that, <laughs> I reckon that would be Prince's version of Amarok. That's what it would sound like. <laughs> it would if be. You did it that. would be. If you did that. There's something to work on. Okay. No. Okay. If you're done, I don't have too much else to add because you guys had a lot of what I had in my notes, but I will say that this groove is pretty much just a similar, it's as similar as any other uh, Mid '90s groove that he was putting out of the, around that time, and um, it's a good, like it's a good track, and and it's got the Mac rhythm happening and all this sort of stuff. Play. I spoke about you know Prince going through the slave period and and being upset with the record and all this sort of stuff, but this song, in my eyes, and I think if you read the lyrics closely. Sounds pretty clear to me that it's about just getting it on, and he's just going out of his mind because he wants to clock it. Like he want, you know, he wants to knock the boots, as they say in the U.S. Hmm. He he wants to get it on, like this chick or whoever this person or these people are. They just he's just racking his brains, tearing his hair out. Basically, he's going absolutely crazy because he just wants to get it on, and he's getting out of control. So, um, to me, this is this is like a full player. Uh, Pardon the pun, I didn't mean uh, (laughs) the Peach and Black podcast player, but like player style. It's the same song. Track, yeah. It should be actually. (laughs) But um, I would have loved if this went on the Exodus album, whether it was with Sonny's vocals or Prince's lead vocals, I I couldn't care less. Like it would fit perfectly on that album, Uh, even on Come possibly, but uh, I'm splitting hairs now. And that great guitar squirting and, yes, I said it, it's guitar squirting at the two (laughs) two minutes, 20 seconds mark when he asks everyone to stand back and he basically (laughs) goes for for broke with his guitar solo. He sprays everyone in the room, all the record execs, all the women in the room, all the groupies. It's one of those moments where it's like it's clearly that's what he's doing, but he's he's so clever, like he doesn't go completely overt about it. But anyway, (laughs) this is an interesting song. Prince in full on sex crazed mode and uh backed up by a pretty solid groove. Although it is, like I said, pretty standard for him. Like he couldn't he could it, pull these sort of songs uh, out in his sleep. I will the say the
2: groove itself is good, but it is standard, but it's all that stuff he puts on top of it. Makes it it's better. A, yeah. This is a really busy song. Like there's like you can't go 2 seconds there's something happening like even just in the uh, verses he'll sing a line and then it is
0: busy at the all, yeah.
2: at the end of every line there's like a backing vocal or there's a sound effect there's like always something
1: there and i didn't know why that was whether it was just him being super creative but i think maybe now now that i've learned from you guys that basically the loop of this track and a lot of the the rhythm track is based on this this other song by headshock or what was it bebop to hip hop <laughs> Maybe Prince was like, well, I've got to do all this shit. Otherwise, it's just a straight rip of the song. Mm. So maybe that's what he was thinking. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this, this is cool. I'll certainly listen to this. If I've got five minutes, I'll listen to this over Jukebox with a heartbeat <laughs> uh, <laughs> without even thinking twice. So, all right, let's keep it moving. And I'm uh, going to hand it over to Captain now. What track have you got, Captain? What have you selected? I have a track. It is called
2: Funky Design. Funny. Design. The design it is great it was also released on that same date as I said before I think 18th of February 2001 and I just love this song I'm gonna go because it's my go it's just Prince doing a rap his way and it's just hilarious and great and how can I not love a track which includes the line check yourself before you get another foot in your ass <laughs> that's just guaranteed it's gonna be a great song. For me, I have no idea what the point of this song is or if there is one, but I know every word, but I don't know what it's about, but that's fine. I just, I love his raps in this song, like the way they're written, the way he raps them the flow is great. The rhyme, <laughs> everything about it is great. Can we get some acapella from you? You say you uh, know every
1: line. Let's just kick. Come on. Uh, Bust the rhyme uh, for us, quick.
2: I've got some coming. You just wait. Like, okay. the main synth line is just cool. There's this really weird discordant one at 52 <laughs> seconds and 102. Listen to that. There's, like, compared to Mad, there's really not a lot in this track, like all the bells and whistles side of things. It's pretty bare bones track as it is. But all I'm listening to is his his voice. So I don't care that there's not that much else going on. Player said at the start, rookies. And I just love the way he says rookies like two or three times in this song. He says it and he always says it in this funny voice. There's nothing I don't like about this track, except that it ends eventually. That's the worst thing about it. Wow. I like that thing. That's a big call. I can't (laughs) it's a big (laughs) call. Wow. I think the thing I like about it most is I could be wrong, but it seems like he wanted to do a track like this, just his way. He didn't care what anyone else thought about it. it. To me, it doesn't seem like he's like chasing a trend or anything. It's just this is his way. This is his style of doing a rap. And it's great. The third verse is one of my favorite verses ever written in Prince history.
1: Wow. Whoa, get ready, people. Here we go. Get ready.
2: Listen to this line. And the DJ, instead of kicking a favorite tune, scratches on a record that reverberates a room like a train crash. You better save your ass. Ass rhymes with crash. The funky design is back in its bad Housequake, And it's just, it's the way he sings that line in the song. It just kills me every time. I, the first time I played it a couple of days ago, when I started writing these notes, I forgot how much I love this song. And I've played it about 50 times in the last few days. It's, Jeez. I don't listen to this song enough. And we didn't even pay you this time. It's just magic. The interesting thing about this version though, is the chorus is not even complete this is like an early version. Later on in the chorus, there's this blow your mind, blow your mind. Everybody's tripping on the funky design. That's not even on this version in case anybody noticed that it was wow. missing. <laughs> wow. oh, hang on, hang on. So there's, it, there's two versions close. of this? Say what? There is a later version or maybe it's just the live versions where he sang it. I can't remember. Might be live. But there's an actual chorus, which is not in this version. It's weird. But this was the one he released. Who knows? This is great. Is this is this Captain's electric intercourse moment?
1: <laughs> I don't
2: know. I, I don't think anything's ever going to beat that, but it's 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 up there. This is really good.
1: I mean, this <laughs> is pretty close. It's, it's, it's like you it's, haven't it's, heard the song for sixteen years, and then all of a sudden you heard it fifty nah, times nah, in the last three nah, hours. Nah. That's pretty big. I would have I would have I would have heard this at least at
2: least a couple times a year. I'll I'll find this and I'll play it. But it's been a while, and then I played it a couple of days ago. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's so good. And I couldn't wait until we recorded this so I can tell everyone how great it is. <laughs> but it's weird because like I said, there's not much to it. I just love this song like 98% based on his rap. Like the song itself is not much at all. Mm. There's really nothing to it. Like compared to Mad, which has, it's so busy. There's all this production and there's all, all this stuff on it. This doesn't have that. This is a really basic track, but I just love his rap so much in this song. It makes that, it makes it all
1: it makes it all great. I'm going to add something a bit controversial to your to what you've just said because you've given Prince a lot of props for his rap there. Here we go. I actually think I kind of I'm sweating because i don't, I might get some criticism here, but I actually think this would be an even better track if Tony M did the MCing on it. <laughs> I, I I actually believe that this is like the perfect. So you're just saying. That, you're saying this is a horrible Prince rap. No, not horrible, but I actually think this is one of those songs where where Tony M could redeem it and bring it back into that kind of ninety two ninety three era. A couple years before this was recorded, give it that could sing this, that but flavor.
2: It had totally changed the way it's presented. Oh, well, without a doubt, yeah. That's but why I actually I think like he it could because print. Prince does it in his style. It's his style of rap, which is not real rap. It's Prince rap Prince, in quotes. That's the thing. It's yeah. not actual rap it's prince doing rap and that's what i like i love the flow i love prince doing rap but this is probably one of my if not my favorite prince rap song that he did
0: yeah i can't see turning in with his deep voice doing rookies
1: (laughs) it won't come across the same way you're right yeah
2: i can't say anymore someone else go
1: okay Well, first of all, who else is in love with this song like Captain is? Any takers? Hands up in the air. Buzz those (laughs) dials.
2: Hold down.
1: (laughs) Again, well, if no one's jumping in, I absolutely love, no, I don't know. I don't love this track. This is, uh, out of all the songs we've discussed, this is second. It goes behind Mad. I I think Jukebox with a Heartbeat for me is going to be the the worst of the worst offenders here. But like Mad had a stock mid-90s groove. This just repeats that, except it's not as good. Like he's got this loose-ish, funny-ish rap happening, but I kind of don't really buy it and it's not, I don't know, it just doesn't do a lot for me. The keyboard motif is pretty cool though. That's kind of cool. Like it's got this eerie sound. I like it. I like that I just
2: realized I made zero mention of the music. That's because I don't (laughs) even hear it. I'm only hearing the rap. (laughs) You're just listening to the rap. Seriously, I didn't say a single thing about the music. I know it's all like sleigh bells and there's like a horn sound, but that's all I can tell you.
1: Yeah, it's got, it's not as busy as Mad. It's way more, uh, it's way slimmer, kind of bare bones compared to Mad. But, and I know they get lumped together a lot, these two songs, because they were recorded around a similar time and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know, this song is just a bit, like it doesn't live up to its title for me. Like It's kind of like Groovy Potential, although I do like Groovy Potential, but this is kind of like funky design. should be like super funky in its design, and it isn't as great as the title pretends it is. So uh, it's not bad, but it's not great. And if he didn't release so much music, I'd probably like it more, but he's just so hard to top. Like Prince's A-game material is just in another stratosphere. So then when he comes out with stuff like this that any mid-'90s R&B act would be like killing for, It's just okay. So there it is. Player, what are your thoughts on this
0: one? So how to say this? I've actually got this in my notes and I agree with Captain. The actual flow and structure of the verses are really good, but the actual lyrics themselves are a bit juvenile. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's
2: probably why I like them so much. (laughs) It's something I could write and like, yeah, that's great. Yeah.
0: But the the actual struct the way he structured the rap and, and the rhymes and stuff, they are very good, the, the actual structure. The design, the design of the funk. That's what it is. That's right.
2: it all right there.
0: I'm kind of surprised he released this when he did, but with the swearing in it. Um, I think there's a mother effer in it and mm. foot in the ass and all that sort oh, of stuff. yeah. <laughs> and around this era, like if something like this came out, it would be like... Uh, Either it wouldn't come out or it'd be heavily edited and scratches all over the the swear words and stuff. So
2: I can't remember, but when this came out through MPG Music Club, the swearing sections might have been back masked, but they've since been reversed by people like me. So the versions we have sound normal. I can't remember that for sure, but I know there were a few tracks that he put out which did have that effect and then everyone just went in and
0: fixed it and put it back to normal. Yeah, I'm surprised this actually didn't make it to the Crystal Ball album because there was a lot of songs from this era that went on that album. I'm surprised that this one didn't make it because I think uh, the Crystal Ball album, I think he was trying to squeeze out all those sort of songs with some swearing on it on that, like Days of Wild and all that sort of stuff. And it just would have fit it would fit with all those other, you know, on Crystal Ball how he had like remixes of like peak control and stuff. Like this is like an original song. He could have put this on instead, you know. Mm. It does have some good parts to it, but as a whole, it doesn't really work for me. It's this big mishmash of overlaid samples of noises for me. Like there's all these noise like right from when the song starts, when he goes, Just when you thought it was safe to go outside. There's in the background, there's this and it repeats all the it all sound. the way through. It's just so annoying. I hate when people put noises like that in songs. It just really irks me. It's like, um, <laughs> oh, boy, boy, boy. like the air, Yeah, the air horn sound. <laughs> that's 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 an example. Yeah, and um there's who else? Yeah, Justin Timberlake's Rock Your Body. In the background of that, there's like um like a high-pitched bell sound and every time that song plays it's like I'm looking around thinking like what is that like because it's not part of this well it is part of the song but it, it sounds like it's not part of the song and it sounds like you know there's an alarm clock going off somewhere in your house and you're checking you're going stupid trying to find like what the noise is and it's built into the song and I don't know why they put these like noises in in songs like that I don't know I'm just ranting like an old man now but like <laughs> that, that really annoys me those sort of just pointless sounds, and you know it's not like even musical. Like if if there was something musical in it, but like there's just nothing in it. I just. Yeah. But having said that, the bass is kicking, especially with that solo. He references the one-eyed bass and and does the solo, mm-hmm. um, and I like the keyboard lead line. But yeah, it's just I, I could live without this song quite <gasps> easily.
2: If I had to live without this, I would be very sad.
0: <laughs> Bring it home, Sunny boys. Tea.
2: Sunny T sings this one too, you know. And the funny thing about that is that when Sonny's doing the main vocals, then you've got Prince doing the backing vocals and being an
1: idiot in the background, which is even funnier.
0: Well, you've got to send this to me because I've never yeah. heard this.
1: Great. Thank God there are four of us on this show, all with very varied and dynamic opinions. <laughs> it, allows us, it allows us to go through an entire show where every song is liked and disliked to equal effect. So, okay, speaking of liking and disliking, Toy Jam, wrap up our thoughts of uh, the song Funky Design. What do you think?
3: Oh, the, the thing with this song is that it was released the same day as Mad and every time I hear one, I listen to the other because it's like they're literally brother and sister songs. They're both the same mid-tempo, sludgy kind of thing with the dog whistle, you know, hook line, rumbling bass, it, it, rapping. It Like they're, they're so interchangeable. I think Mad is much stronger. I, I think Funky Design was Prince's attempt to redo the song mad maybe without samples and stuff so maybe he's like well let me do a song like that but without all the samples which is why it doesn't sound so as full as the other one but i think i think funky design is the weaker track i think i mean i kind of see what you guys are saying about the rap it's cool the fact that it's prince doing the rap and he sustains it it's not just one verse it's three um and it's interesting to hear his flow but like it's it's pretty forgettable lyrics and it's just like he's just put the first thing that came to his head the bass solo is kind of cool. I like that. Those sleigh bells, like, ching, ching, ching. It's just so 90s. I mean, there's some rumbling bass in there. Like, it's kind of 3121-ish. You know, dun, 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 dun. That's, Like, that's kind of cool. Um, but I just you know, towards the end of the song where it's just like, he's just the funky design and then there's the funky design. It's just like, this song's done. Like it's <laughs> um, like I was saying before with Jukebox, like these, some of these but songs missing, just go.
2: It's missing the, the actual chorus. That's the problem. Yeah. Like maybe. while Mad seems to be like a fully developed track, this is still a demo to me. Yeah. It doesn't have the chorus even put on there yet. It's weird.
3: Yeah. I don't know. This, like, it puts out two very, very similar songs out together, both recorded, you know, 10 years earlier or so. And one of them stronger than the other. And I think it's not this one. So I'll just say that.
2: You know, the weird thing? I know every word of Funky Design. I couldn't tell you three words from Mad.
1: <laughs> I don't have a clue why. You just I did. Just... You just told us one.
2: I don't know why. Why do I love this song? But Mad, I like just as much. But I, I don't theory. know any You're of the cool. words. I got a theory. Which one did you listen to first? Because I
3: wouldn't be surprised because they're so similar. It could be one of the case of the one you heard first is the one you prefer because when you hear the second one, it's like, oh, that's the same as the other one. I probably listened listened to Funky
2: Design first first because it's got a cool name. Yeah, okay.
1: Maybe that's why you like it so much as well. (laughs) Great. Did he ever play this live? I don't I don't remember doing uh, it. Live.
2: he did uh ninety five a couple times and that was about it. And maybe ninety eight.
0: But when when you say did live, is he doing like the whole track with all these verses or is he just chanting the
1: refrain? He did
2: no, nah, he did it a, a couple of verses. He mightn't have done okay. all the verses, but he, he did a few.
1: Okay. All right, all right. Are we done just with
2: that? You thought it was oh, over.
1: It, started up again. Oh, it's so good. Tell me, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> No. Yeah, yeah, keep going. <laughs> Someone did some, some beatboxing behind it.
2: Go and play it. Go and play it. Listen to it. Everyone needs to listen to this song. Play the record.
1: <laughs> okay. The last track of this one-off track's Peach and Black review is going to be a song called Cause and Effect. I am what
0: I am, cause and effect, cause and effect.
1: This one came out in early 2010, I think late February. It was streamed on The Current and uh, that was where, when it was first heard. So obviously it never came out on an album, which is why we're talking about it as a one-off. But it was performed live a number of times in the subsequent years. Funnily enough, I don't think he played this in the year the that time. it was released. He played it with <laughs> The Eye Girl. Yeah, which I guess makes sense because it's a bit of, bit of a rocking track. But yeah, weird. Releases it, not much fanfare, doesn't really go anywhere. Certain fans kind of warmed to it, but didn't make a huge splash. We
2: have to mention, we have reviewed this song before. We
1: have, yes.
2: Way back in, I think, March 2010. Episode 22. We talked about this song and rambled about a bunch of other things. But to make this non-album tracks complete, we'll include it here. And we'll probably have maybe slightly different things to say years later. Who knows?
1: Well, who knows? But I can't remember what I said or what any of you guys said back in March of 2010. And that would have meant that we would have recorded our basically our first impressions of that song pretty much after it came out, like almost straight away, it sounds like. So um, my thoughts on this aren't particularly long, but I've got a few really clear things that popped up in my mind as I was listening to it. One was... I was listening to this song through the eyes of a Prince fan who knows the Prince is no longer here. And you kind of read some of the lyrics and you think about how, actually how reflective and, you know, he's looking back retrospectively on his life and on his experience. And I heard that. I'm sure all of us heard the lyrics or most of us heard the lyrics at the time, but the meaning is still the same, but I didn't realize at the time how how much he was actually reflecting on his past because he was a guy who always said, look to the future, don't look to the past kind of deal. Whereas here he's talking about, you know, how to live his life and he's sending himself notes. He's telling himself what he would do, telling himself that, you know, it's worthwhile hanging around, sticking around. There's a, there's a great line in here about um, what husbands and fathers say or should say about, you know, you can be a superstar or grow up, but not both. So he's having this inner dialogue with himself but he's putting it into a song. And some of it is kind of jittery, meaning it's not really smooth. Like even the line that I just threw out, that's not particularly well written. But you can kind of tell what he's getting at. He's having these conflicting emotions and conflicting thoughts about his life, maybe. But at the same time, he sounds like he's at peace. And that's probably the overarching thing that I get from this track these days is I just hear it as this like super rocking, super energized solid super positive track that has this really full sound and the propulsion of the rhythm track is really cool with Chris Coleman on drums, Larry Graham on bass. Even though it doesn't sound like Larry on bass I don't think, but allegedly he played on this. And Prince taking care of all the other stuff. But to me it's just this, I don't know, it's 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 a unique song for a guy like Prince who very rarely sang about his life in this sort of way. Usually it was more cryptic and this is kind of like he's talking about a wheel and opens up a whole can of worms, but it's, it's good. It's a rocker. It's a solid rocking track that is, it's also a little bit social in a way. Like he talks about compassion and he name checks the song compassion from the 2010 album. He name checks a few other tracks that appeared on the 2010 record later in 2010. And, uh, that's basically it. Uh, the only other two comments I've got about this are, I did hear it live. It was great at Montreux in Switzerland. But he had played it before then. I think the first time he played it was in Minneapolis when he first debuted uh, Third Eye Girl. And the last time he played it was with Third Eye Girl again a year later in 2014. So many, many times in that year, kind of between early 2013 and kind of early-ish to mid-2014 when it was the last time he actually put it out in a live setting. So that was cool. He obviously liked that track for at least that period of time. And what else, what else, what else? There's a weird moment in this song where there's some undecipherable lyrics. It's at around the three-minute, 30-second mark. I can tell you
2: exactly what that is.
1: Okay, because before you spoil the surprise for me, it sounds like either a muffled sample of that song of MPLS sound. I can't think of it at the moment, but it's the one, if your girlfriend didn't have the surgery, maybe she could see what I see. It sounds <laughs> like it might be like this really convoluted muffled sound sounding version of that. That's lay down. Or I've got to get the surgery. Is anyone else hearing that? It's none of that. <laughs> okay. Because it, to me, it sounds like I've got to get the surgery. No. What is it? What does he say? It is backwards
2: you play it back the right way. It says contracts just make you smaller.
1: <laughs> I think you might have said that eight years ago when we reviewed the song now that I think about it. <laughs> um, but uh, that's interesting. Hmm. Is cause and effect a contractual term, by the way? It might be. That's pretty much all I've got. This is a great funk and roll track, basically. And, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting interpretation of his own life and experience through these kind of personal lyrics. Yeah, and and I guess the other thing I'll close on is just a question to everyone here. You don't have to answer it now, but I'm just putting it out there. Is this the first time that he kind of reflected in this sort of way about his life?
0: No, All right, those are my thoughts. No, no I'm missing, missing no. reflection. Reflection in
1: musicology. Mm, yeah, that's interesting.
2: I can't believe MC's finished and he hasn't mentioned the
1: start of what? the track, which is oh, from yeah, 2009." That's kind of um, funny. I mentioned, I mentioned hearing Prince play Cause and Effect live in 2013, yeah. but I didn't mention the intro to the song. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. So obviously for anyone that doesn't know, the um, I Am Here, Where Are You is an excerpt from When I Lay My Hands On You, I think. Yeah, When I Lay My Hands On You, the second performance that night on, on July the 18th, which is pretty cool as well. don't know why he chose that, but anyway, mm. interesting. Well, that's so what my I was going to say. I was going
0: to say, you didn't mention that you actually appear on this track, right? Oh, yeah. You'd
1: you be part of the crowd noise in the
0: background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you actually yeah. appear on
1: this song. Technically me and three and a half thousand other people. There you go. You're still a part. You're part of the backing vocalist. <laughs> backing. I oh, want my sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you listening, Londell? Send me my Check. So not only is he in the audio of
2: this track, he's also in the video of the show as well, holding up the Legion Black shirt.
1: Hmm. Are you kidding me? In 2013, in in the live version when they play this of Montreux, that's hilarious. Who's going? Okay, Captain, what are your thoughts on this track?
2: Literally minutes before we started recording this, Toe Jam's like, you know, we've already reviewed this song before. And I'm like, have we? and I I had no idea and then I went back and I found it I'm like oh yeah we talked about it in 2010 so I have no idea if what I'm going to say now is anything like what I said then because I didn't listen to it because I wanted it to be new fresh so here we go the start of this song annoys me
0: what the part where MC's on it (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> MC ruins this track. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the live sample at the start of the song. And again, it comes in at around 240 and all the crowd noise. It just annoys me. This audience noise fades in, fades out, comes back again later, goes away. It just seems like a kid just got to play around on the mixing desk and he's like, what does this do? Oh, look, audience noise. It's, it's like amateur hour. It's, I don't know what the point of that is at all. Anyway.
3: At the time, I reckon he might have been just teasing that, you know, hey, Montreux 2009 was filmed and recorded and might be coming out. He was always like teasing.
2: Yeah. And then it never came out. Anyway, I like the contrast between the verses and the chorus. I like when the chorus comes in 50 seconds in. There's these funky little organ stabs in the chorus. You can really hear them in the headphones. Uh, Funky little bass bit at 123. And you've got that hard rock bit that's pretty cool when it comes in, 154, drums going crazy. Oh, we didn't mention the drums. Chris Coleman, the first track he was ever on, first Prince track, this song. Going crazy on the drums. Uh, The guitar solo comes in, then back to the audience noise again, then sort of acoustic going back into the verse. And that's that same sound, which we've talked about not that long ago. It's the same synth pad He used in Shy and also at Coachella in Come Together or 7. Same thing here. So he was using it around this time. Again, he loves that sound. Compassion parts are nice. Beautiful little guitar part, 326 to 329, just a little bit. 330, you've got the backwards bit. Contracts just make you smaller, which I had to go in and reverse it and listen to it. That was fun. And back to the hard rock bit again, 352, more insane drum fills. Now, more good crazy guitar solo. But overall, I just don't know about this song. It feels like a mishmash of like three or four different ideas he had just floating around. And he's like, just chuck it all together. One track, which is probably a good idea because I think each idea by itself could barely maintain a track, a whole track to itself. So it's probably better that they're all in one spot. At least we got one decent song out of it instead of four average, less than average ones. But it's okay. It's an oddity. It's a one-off track. It's something interesting but not something I go back to very often.
1: The end. Okay. Jam. what do you think about this one? Cause and effect.
3: I I think it's one of the stronger one-off songs of the 2000s. It's a very good one. Probably this with um, the F-U-N-K song is probably like the two that kind of come to mind when you think of one-off tracks Mm. from the 2000s that are good ones, like really good ones. Uh, It's pretty out there, isn't it? Like it goes in all different directions Mm. Um, I mean, it is interesting. You've got that um, the lyrics that reference all these 2010 album songs that at that time hadn't been released, and we didn't know this when we reviewed the song. I listened back to our review, and you know, this went right over our heads. We didn't know that he's referencing all these songs that were going to come out like a year, um, that year. So that's kind of cool, and it's something he did on the New Power Soul album. There's a song that references the songs on that, on Push, maybe, or one of the Diamonds and Pearls songs. He references along the Diamonds oh, and Pearls yeah. songs. Uh, maybe Exodus as well. There's a couple of albums that do that. So you know, it makes me wonder that this song may have originally been intended for the 2010 album at that point. Uh, sonically, it reminds me of songs like Glass Cutter, Cyber Single, Rock and Roll is Alive, you know, rock guitar, lots of changes. Um, also that rock section at the end, it's, it's kind of like the last December where it's got like that sort of Arabic rock kind of groove thing going on. And he's doing like the Hendrix solo over the top of it. Really cool. Uh, or is it a family name? I forget. I think it's the family name. Sorry. Um, from Rainbow Children, a similar kind of thing at the end. Uh, you got the different sections. You got that happy section in the middle, which I think Captain was kind of alluding to. It sounds to me like it evolved from those live performances that have come together in around you know two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and he sort of incorporated that into a studio song now. At this point, um, I think one of the best things about this song is the drums. And um, listening back to our review back then, it, at that point, it was just a rumor that it was Chris Common, and we were talking about whether or not it's Chris Common or not. And uh-huh. but I think. We, we now know for sure it's Chris Coleman. Um, he's come out and said he played on this track. Uh, and there's like the drumming is just amazing on this track. Some amazing fills, like just crazy insane fills. Uh, there's one at 3.53. goes for like 10 seconds, uh, over two bars, just mm. nails it. Crazy, completely crazy. You know, guitar, Prince's guitar playing is really good. Awesome. Like I said, Hendrix kind of soloing stuff to some crazy, you know, almost um, – getting out there on the scales as well some really interesting notes he's playing but just super fast as well some of the runs he's doing um i, I don't think this is maybe as good as some of the lotus flower material which it's it's kind of similar a little bit to that sort of post lotus flower it's sort of it's got some more of those deep synth sounds that i think of songs like lolita has that really uh i don't know what you call it like sawtooth um, synthy kind of sound mm. backing a lot of the bass. But I've also got a little bit of conspiracy theory about the song, and that is um, did we well, inspire this song? Did we inspire this song? Back when we did our review, we talked about the fact that I had mentioned <laughs> the phrase cause and effect in the previous episode that had come out before this in referring to the colonized mind song. And there's also oh. another line which I, there's also a line that I heard today and I, like I've heard this line a thousand times but I thought did he get that from us and that is he talks about brain splatter all over Minneapolis. And I thought how many times <laughs> on our show do we talk about our heads being blown off by how cool <laughs> is? And, I, and I think and I want you know this is not long this is only a few weeks really before like we were in contact with him. And it makes me wonder what were we partially. You know, Ooh. And, and also the fact that he he would have known maybe. Added that to Robert the Rob had to, gone to the Montreux shows. He puts a little bit of that in there. I, I wonder. I don't believe it, but I have some sneaky <laughs> suspicion. I don't believe it. <laughs> no, I have a, no sneaky suspicion that that might be the case, that we may have had a role in inspiring this song. I know. I kind of hope that is true, but that's my oh, conspiracy add theory.
0: <laughs> add it with the pasta reference.
1: In June
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yeah, we'll get to yeah. that For anyone listening then You know, we might we might do that episode one day But uh, not. <laughs> don't want to spoil the surprise too much Yeah, but I mean, it's a really fun song to listen to Really cool Good fun, good times
2: And just I'll think, a... there was a whole Ooh. album of this With, you know, Chris Coleman Just sitting in a Prince's limousine music And we're, we didn't go and listen to
3: it It's kind of crazy, isn't it? It's got a similar vibe, like sort of like the Rainbow Children, in the in the fact that the the song sounds like it's been constructed from the drums up, and, and the Rainbow Children sounds a lot like that. Like it's basically just Prince and Blackwell in the studio, they do a take, and then Prince layers everything else over the top of that. And I think even though this is a very different style song, it feels like it's been constructed in that way. You know, Prince, Larry, and Chris Coleman, obviously, you know the the underbelly of it, and then Prince has come over and put everything else on top and turn it into a song. So, in the studio, the way, just, yeah. calling out different ways of different ways of putting songs together.
1: Yeah, and what's the other thing that's interesting about the three people you just mentioned is that yeah, sure, Prince was a part of it, and Christopher Coleman was, but on this song, it's Larry Graham. Whereas all of the other songs that Prince recorded with Chris Coleman allegedly had Tal Wilkenfeld, our fellow Australian, Tal Wilkenfeld, on bass. So. The idea, as far as we're aware, was that it was Chris Coleman on drums, Tal Wilkenfeld on bass, and then Prince on whatever, you know, guitars and uh, vocals and funky stuff. So that was a superpower trio that, that allegedly, based on what Chris Coleman has said, recorded upwards of 10, maybe 12 songs, maybe even a little bit more than that. So they had a full album's worth of material done. Produced, You know, like this song is mixed, right, So and mastered. So uh, I'm talking about cause and, and effect. And we were so, just meters away <laughs> from that disc. <laughs> well, we, we don't know what exactly we were going to hear, but, yeah, possibly.
2: He probably would have just
1: played this. <laughs> Imagine that, yeah. You guys have heard cause and effect, haven't you? All right, play out. What do you uh, think about this track? And do you have any memories of it? Uh, memories. I no memories. I feel... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! Clone my dog, Shh, Barbara. <laughs> not the and podcast, wasn't it?
0: I don't remember what I said on that episode, but I have the feeling that when the song first came out, I thought it was a bit piss weak. But over the years, it's really grown on me. So I think I like it more now,
1: even more now than when it when it first came out. Um, I'm just thinking of our American listeners; they're, they're like scratching their heads, going, "What does piss weak mean?" <laughs> That is a great white guy impression.
0: It means not very good. It just means very weak as piss. So
1: I'm glad you added that extra bit. There's another another Aussie term that probably weak as piss, piss weak. Any variation of that is Aussie slang.
0: We keep it Aussie here on this show. So like the the lead line, I mean, even though it's cool and it's memorable, it it, it sounds derivative of something else or it's a cliche. Like, it, you know, it's, you know, the dun, 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 it sounds like, you know, it's just something else. It doesn't really sound very original to me. And then the haze in between the song, the hey, hey, sounds like the twins and. It's just a bit like that start part just sounds a bit happy and stuff. So, like, that's what I mean by Piss Week. It was just, it just didn't really sort of do it for me. But, like, in the subsequent years, and he sort of really made it really sort of dirty and rocked it up, you know, it's it's grown on me. I think just before 2.16, it gets really dirty with the guitar and towards the end as well. You guys mentioned the 2010 references. I think there's four album tracks mentioned in the song. And like Toe Jam said, it's a theme where he kind of, Links all the album track tracks together, so it's it, it is possible it could have uh, been a 2010 song, but then again it, it it might not have fit on there. Maybe he just thought at the last minute not, not to put it on there. Maybe it's on 2010 Deluxe. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the other only thing I've I've got is Chris Coleman on drums and Larry Graham on bass. But yeah, like I said, I, I think I like this song more now, even more now than when it first came out. And that happens with a lot of songs with me with Prince. It's something that I just don't feel at the time. But then after repeated listens and stuff, I get right into it. So <laughs> there you, <laughs>
1: there you awesome. have it. Very good. Well, that's the show, folks. Another four tracks reviewed, discussed, analyzed, dissected, inspected, and. Um, Rejected by the Peach and Black podcast. No, not rejected. Thank you so much for your company on this episode. Thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, there's plenty more material to get to. So uh, that was another edition of our non album tracks review episode. Stay tuned for our next show coming up soon. Blah, 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 blah. This has been the Peach and Black podcast experience. Thanks for your company. See you oh, in the next show. Bye.
2: You've been listening to another Peach and Black podcast. Catch all our episodes at podbean.com, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud and all other good podcast directories. Search for Peach and Black Podcast. Continue the Peach and Black experience online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. The Peach and Black Podcast is written and produced by Rob S., otherwise known as MC. Captain, player and toe jam. Original Theme music by Tojan. Audio production and additional audio editing by Captain at That's Me at Funky Temple Studios. Episode artwork by Reverend. Share our podcast with your friends and other Prince fans. If you love our show, please write a review. Give us star ratings. You can contact the Peach and Black podcast by email at peachandblackpodcastofficial@gmail.com. at gmail.com.